That music. <laughs> that music that a lot of people comment about. Is it porn star music? That's what. Tell us. Does can't it confirm sound like, or deny yeah. that. That's what a lot of people say. <laughs> Dave Matthews, super producer. Thank you for that thank amazing you, intro. How's everyone feeling? Late Sunday in the Complex Con weekend. How are we feeling? Are we still feeling good energy? Good. Okay. Matt, Matt Welty just came from the gym. That's why. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's. Guys uh, out, thighs out. Yeah. I think exactly. it's overcast. He's been in the gym all weekend. True story, 6.15 in L.A. I'm always on New York time still, yes. so, so I'm up early. 6.15, I'm getting a coffee in the lobby. He's jogging down, going right to the fitness center. So he hasn't <laughs> slacked. He hasn't slacked on his gym routine. Tried. Brendan, how are we feeling? I feel okay. That's it? <laughs> I mean, it's a... That's it? <laughs> you always question my energy when we do this thing. Yeah, I know. I know that the energy is always there for you, but you, you, have, you come out here and... I'm, I'm, am I making you nervous? No, no. It's a special occasion, right? It is a special <laughs> occasion. This is our 100th episode. True story. The 100th episode. Thank you. We first basically shot the pilot. I don't know if any of you guys were here. We shot like the pilot episode mm -hmm. at ComplexCon. Two years ago? Two years, two years ago. ago. 2019, yeah. about Yeezys. Yes, it was about Kanye West becoming like the, a billionaire in yeah. the Yeezy empire. I don't know if any of you guys were here for that, but... Not our greatest episode. No, we were rusty. we got to start somewhere. Listen, we were rusty. We were just starting out. <laughs> who knew now, that, now we're professionals, as you can tell. Who knew that the podcast would become as big as Joe Rogan's podcast in just two years, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Very busy weekend. What are some, like, what have you guys enjoyed? I saw Lupe Fiasco eating a chicken sandwich outside. That was okay. a good moment for me. In the lagoon? Yeah, in the, in the first Wee Feast Lagoon. It was one of those, he was mid-bite, and he gave me a little elbow touch, and I didn't want to, you know... He recognized you. No, absolutely well, not. So I think he's I'm, just I'm, eating and giving you elbow Yeah, bumps? he was like, later. I think I, I mentioned, like, okay. I, don't, I think I might have mentioned this story on here before. Last Complex Con, Conceited introduced me to Lupe Fiasco, and, mm -hmm. told, and Conceited told me... Was Lupe, he eating a chicken sandwich? Or no, but he, he told him... Full size runs awesome. You need to come on the show, and he goes, "Haha, yeah, fucking right." Wow. All right. And he hasn't been on the show. No. If security's in here, we have to escort Lupe Fiasco out immediately. Yeah. We have to. <laughs> Speaking about conceited, I thought conceited was supposed to be here because Trinidad James, who had a great booth, did you guys see? A great booth. Three, yeah. three, three booths. Three booths. Is he here? Is he here with us right now? He's probably busy selling socks. He sold out of those sneakers so quick. He's already in LA or something. He came. <laughs> yeah. But conceited was supposed to be here. I know that because Trinidad James gave me thirteen names to submit for the guest list. <laughs> plus this thirteen. Weekend. Yeah. He and had conceited a, was one of them. Yeah, and conceited was on it. He had a, and Trinidad. Yeah, plus thirteen. But I didn't see conceited here. You couldn't fit him in your uh, carry-on luggage. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, listen, we have, we have, we have tea in these, in these mugs, this, look at this, look at this arrangement of merch Do that people we have know about here. the heat-activated mugs? I don't think they do, because, is it glowing? The mug is supposed to glow, but is it glowing Can for you Can you see guys? the logo? So, sometimes we have these on set, um, really high-tech stuff, but, uh, once you get some hot tea in there, the logo really comes alive, so... I, I don't know if we've shown off this technology. Well, I mean, if you treat that like a Manhattan special, you might spill <laughs> the tea, right? Yeah. <laughs> and somewhere up here should be the Jason Mark sneaker shopping collab kit that we dropped exclusively this weekend. Mm -hmm. Go get that if you haven't. Go get it. Bring it to the ASAP Rocky show and just have it. You guys could cheer and you can have the 
Jason Moore cleaner in one hand. It's It'll a, be like the Run DMC Adidas moment. Exactly. Right? Just Everybody hold will it be up. holding up their Jason Mark sneaker shopping collab. And DMC at ComplexCon. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He was at a booth. That's right. Did you get to swing by? I saw him there, but I didn't. Uh, do you think he recognized you being kind of the Adidas brand? I feel like you and DMC have I mean, where, where, where do we both e sit yeah, on equal, the pantheon of Adidas Yeah, I, I feel like you both influenced equally. It's like one person who's like makes the brand get into a space and the other person who has a failed Adidas collaboration that never happened. Which is which? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, you had an Adidas collab that never happened? <laughs> I mean... I mean, maybe. We, we, a, we've mentioned that here. Is that there, a myth? No, no, I can confirm that. I can yeah, confirm that Matt Welty... It was Matt a meeting and everything. Really? What yeah. How did it get canceled? <laughs> there was an NDA, so we can't talk about it too terribly well, much, but... The, the pandemic happened. Oh, okay. And then everything, everything got pushed. And yeah, then where were you, we never Joe? heard from them again. Mine is anybody from Adidas here that can, we can start that back up? Raise your hand. Do you ever see like some of the people that the brand collaborates with and you're like, man, <laughs> and you're like, my I'm cool shit would have hit people. so much harder than that? <laughs> do, do you think, I don't know if that's the right way to convince them. I mean, you sometimes you got to put the pressure, right? Okay, we're, this is officially us putting the pressure on Adidas. Yeah, we got to make it happen. Maybe next year you'll have your own, you'll have your own Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to the Rocky concert? Are you going, Joe? I am go gonna go. That doesn't. I. I don't. You know, I try to psych. I'm, I, I try to psych myself up. Getting very excited. We're gonna cap off the weekend. Complex You're worried about my energy. Wait. <laughs> getting very excited. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> then, like hour by hour on yeah. Sunday, the energy just starts to go down. I gotta mm -hmm. really rally. But for, I think for nostalgia's sake, are you breaking out a pair of the On Noir leather joggers? I left the... those in New York. I left those in New York. Did they? That, were they close to making the cut? Like no. in terms of outfits you were bringing for ComplexCon, were no. the leather pants close or? No, no, they weren't. That would be a big leap to do. You have to be like agile walking the floor and things like that. The leather pants, functional. Although our guests, just we should let them know, we recorded a podcast this morning That's early. Right. And our guest had. Leather pants on. Leather pants on, yeah. We're not, are we gonna tell? Did you have a little bit of like FOMO seeing them? It just, it felt like home, honestly. It felt like home. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna make it to the show. Really? I might just go to bed. The last, no you're not. You went to bed at 4.30, he went to bed at 4.30 yesterday. <laughs> not a.m., p.m., 4.30, that's true. That's a true story. I wasn't sleeping though, I was just in bed. So what time did you actually fall asleep? Uh, maybe like 10. Oh, okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, no, ASAP yeah. Rocky concert, last Complex Con, Cuddy performed. That was amazing. Great confetti was flying. It was when the Pursuit of Happiness came on and just like the Pursuit, flame Pursuit, shoot out of the Pursuit state. Pursuit of Happiness came on, I kind of forgot where I was. The president of the company was behind me. I thought I was back at the South Street Seaport in like 2010 when I first saw Cuddy and then I realized there's, <laughs> there's executives behind me, you know? So. Is that the glow up, Joe? Yeah, call what you want. <laughs> the Kid Cudi doc, though. Yeah, you're in Kid, that, right? I am in that. And the Kid Cudi doc is now streaming on Amazon. If you guys are fans of him, if not, it's a great story. A lot of people worked hard on that. So definitely check that out if you if you can. I've got to check that out. Um, have you had a chance to buy anything on the floor, Joe? No, I didn't. Well, did you buy anything? No. 
Wow. Did you buy anything? Yeah, that's talk, why we're talk here. Talk about it's a topic with a dead end. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, we've done a lot of planning. I, yeah, I've been picking up some stuff for some friends. I bought a turnstile record. I went to the BBC booth and got a NERD shirt. I thought that's something that you there would wasn't, There wasn't a crazy in. line there? I mean... Oh, wait, did you wait in line like oh, everyone right. else? We're, we're telling all the secrets here? <laughs> Just saying. Anyway. That line looked pretty long. <laughs> you were in line for two hours? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, hope definitely. so. <laughs> I'm... Um, Sips tea, literally. Come on, man. If you want to get your energy up, you should be having some tea. Is My energy is fine. Okay. My energy is fine. I have no, no idea what kind of... Yeah, it's green ginger tea. This might give you a kick that you need to, to survive through the no, set tonight. We only do espressos. You heard the Premium Pete podcast. Come yeah. On. Yeah, okay. Joe, can we talk about you only eating a lobby pizza all complex con at the hotel? Apparently, we're talking about it. All right, so I've had three meals since I've been here. And all three have been lobby pizza, but I progressed. I, have, I, like, I tried. I thought I was gonna eat at the first we feast lagoon. I blame Sean Evans for that crowd. Couldn't. You're not getting anything there when Sean Evans is doing a meet and greet. You just it's too crowded. So I had to resort to lobby pizza at the Hyatt, and I progressively have got the meals have gotten more aggressive. So I started with regular cheese pizza Friday night, last night pepperoni pizza, and then for lunch today I had the meat lovers pizza. So <laughs> tonight... You might, you might throw some jalapenos on all, that? All yeah, tonight off. I have to see what they have off the menu. Okay. <laughs> Can we talk about items. the meet and greet we did earlier today too? Yeah, did anyone come to the meet and greet? Thank you everyone for showing up. Yeah, we saw, yeah, all eight of you. No, no, there was, <laughs> no, no, there was, no, no, no. Thanks to everyone who came out to the meet and greet. Great installation for Right eBay. there by the eBay pillar. The, the yes. sneakers they had in those things, I was saying to somebody else, I've never seen some of those shoes before in my life. I saw a cleat in there. Did anyone know what the cleat was? I'm not sure. What that was all DJ about. Skis. Okay, the one that DJ we were at. DJ Ski's collection. Yeah, I know there's the perfect pair. Yeah, the perfect pair had some insane stuff. That gold-accented pair of Jordan 3s. Yeah. Never seen them before. I think that those were a Drake shoe. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I remember we did a did a profile on him years ago. We like Did you know, write it? Yeah, but we had a... We sent a photographer to his house, and he like brought out like a fleet of like murdered out. Have like, you ever seen the pictures that he takes? It's like it's inside his house, but it's almost like he set up a drone. That's how high the sneakers <laughs> are, and it's like it's impressive stuff. It's, it's like a thousand Air Maxes, and it's yeah, crazy, crazy collection. Is is Kenny in here? By the way, he's not. That's the perfect pair. So. We appreciate him. Uh, be, I, I saw him at the first Piece Lagoon. I, kind of a similar interaction as I had with Lupe Fiasco. He Just was eating a sandwich, and he was like, okay, yeah. How I many um, elbow bumps while people were eating sandwiches did you get this weekend? <laughs> Those were the ones that stick out in Wait, my mind. One thing we had talked about that was supposed to happen earlier, and I'm just asking you if it did happen because you were leaking it. Do we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We do need to talk about this, yeah. Did Joe Freshgood shock drop 100 pairs of the New Balances? Nine, yeah. 90 V3s? I, I, think he, I think he released around 50 pairs. Did anybody get a pair of Joe Freshgood's New Balances when he released them today? Well, he did. You guys missed out. He had said we talked to him before, and he tried to do an online drop, and it was all bots that tried to get them. Mm -hmm. So he just canceled all the bot orders and mm -hmm. wanted to give the shoes to the actual people. Yeah. So that was his idea, which I thought was actually pretty cool. You know, shouts to Joe Freshgoods. Sneakers for the people. Well, 
I, we can talk about sneakers a little bit, but we, we do talk about food quite a bit on here. Can we talk about your uh, journey that you had the other night? Oh, yeah. So, um, do people want to hear about sneakers or the food we've eaten this weekend? We need to make sure we're prioritizing things. Someone right? said sneakers. Okay, the food that we're eating this weekend. Go okay, ahead. so... Um, so, uh, Friday night, landed. Yeah. Had one thing on the agenda. Okay. I wanted to make the pilgrimage. To Glendale, California. So it wasn't it wasn't working, even though it's a work trip. It was, yeah. One thing on the agenda. <laughs> yeah, not, one not, thing on not the working. agenda. Not working. I mean, the other things I can do. The yeah. other things I can yeah. do, and I will do them yes. because they're obligations. Yes, but you do ahead. have other things that you can do that aren't obligations, right? Okay, go ahead. So, make a trip to Glendale, California, the illustrious Armenian capital of America, mm -hmm. um, and met up with a, cute, ugh, a few close friends. Went to uh, went to. <laughs> Met up with the cute oh, slipping a slip. Uh, huh. uh, went to went up with a few close friends. Went to Rafi's. Um, amazing time. Someone, few some Rafi's fans in the building. It sounded like. Yes, is there? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out, Um Oh, is that your friend? Yeah. Who you paid to sit here? Yeah. He's actually a plant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was great. It was great. How'd they greet you? Did did they <laughs> greet you like, you know, that... Yeah, did they know who you were? They picked me up on a chair. And yeah, that's like, what I mean. No, 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 that didn't happen. I wish it did, but but it was the time of a life. You going back out there tonight? Uh, probably not, maybe. I don't know. After the Rocky concert? Yep. Maybe I'll come with you. Okay. I don't, gonna, that's not going to happen. I'm going to be in bed by 9.30. <laughs> by the way, usually on this show we give away sneakers. Yes. And I would love to do an Oprah moment where we gave away sneakers to everybody in here. It's I guess, just in case, look under your chair and see if no. they <laughs> left a pair of sneakers for you. Uh, we're not giving away sneakers this week, but we, no. we are partnering with eBay for something special. We are cracking some card packs, because this comes up on this podcast a lot. A lot. Our, Has anyone Our affinity heard? for different types of cards. And we know that, aside from the eBay sneakers thing, eBay is heavy in the card scene. So I think we have some special booster packs yes. of a couple different card sets that we're going to do a live opening here on stage. And I have What's a whole... This? Oh, wow. <laughs> Look, Fork, okay, you have UFC Prism. Six packs per box. Okay. I have one pack. Did okay. It, didn't quite get the box, but I got one pack. Do you have some cards over there for me? Yeah. Do you have a, so got the, some cards the, over here. Hold so. on, hold on. I, Do they not bring your cards? Where, where's Dave? I found the cards. Okay. Nobody worry. The good thing about this is it'll all be taken out in editing, so you guys see uh... <laughs> behind right. the scenes. Yeah, for the people listening at home, uh, this is all uh, live complex gone magic. What do you What do you think the odds are? I pull a Hasbro card out of the UFC oh. bag. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm looking for I'm looking for I think. And I have magic cards. A Zion, you're looking for. Is, is it possible you could play someone in Magic? Who are you alive? looking? For? <laughs> well, no, do we you, don't have the materials in this. What are you looking to pull? Me? Yeah. No, the other. You one. don't know what the value cards are. We should have some white gloves or something as we pull these cards out. We should get the PSA. Also, this is going to be so embarrassing. How tough it's going to be for me to open the pack. <laughs> this I, is one of the I, parts that we will definitely edit listen, out. Listen, if the anyone, did, if anyone listened to the podcast, I observe. Live breaks a lot. I don't open live breaks a lot, but you just got one pack, Joe. Look at how many packs. I think I have like sixteen packs. I'm you look, you're Joe, I'm disappointed you didn't get WWE cards. Oh wow! And also, you open one, you open the pack to another unopened pack. So this is like the candles that never blow out. 
Am I going first? You go first. Yeah. We all go at the same time. All right, let's <laughs> see. Open all <laughs> yeah, we're going to, just so you know, we're going to sit here and I'm going to go card by card through all 16 of these. That's uh, 15 cards in each and we're going to describe them. Oh, I got Dennis Rodman. Is that good? I'm you know sure who Dennis Rodman is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm familiar. It's like the equivalent to you getting, what, what would it be? Like a charge? What is it in that magic? <laughs> What is that? What does it say? I don't. I, I don't know. This is the Magic um, Commander oh, Legends set, and it's uh, ages thirteen and up. So if there's anybody who's like twelve in here, as I open these packs, please avert like your eyes. Like the kid that Joe's hanging out with in the lobby. <laughs> yes, my friend. My friend. Yeah. Oh, and a bonus pack. So let's see. Dennis Rodman in the first. Thank pack. you to eBay for setting yes. up these boosters. A great installation. Are we allowed to resell these cards? You have an eBay, eBay. Account, right? All right, poor Zinc, John Morant. That's a great one. Oh, wow. Is Do it holographic? Have... Did I see that correctly? John Morant, who? Is it shiny? It's shiny. Do we have any of those sleeves? I really don't know what that means. I just hear that, like, you're supposed to sleeve. Does anyone have a sleeve? Or we had John valuable? Morant on full size run. Yes. Before he came into the <laughs> league. Great guest. The slowest opening of packs ever. Can we speed it up? We do have a guest, and Rocky is performing tonight. <laughs> All right. Are you still, how, you have a I'm lot busy. of hat work. Yeah. We'll be here all yeah. night. There's no way. <laughs> I'm going to crack one more. Okay, maybe go for it. Pull it on to the, bring it on to Man, the. Man, two Nate Diaz's. What a special moment for all of us. Yes. You think we can make it uh, three, Joe? Let's see. Is that card worth any money? Does anybody know? Nate Diaz? Could someone look it up on eBay? Nate Diaz. I want Nate Diaz on sneaker shopping. I've been trying for years. Oh, maybe boy. this is, maybe this is like a, you know, Harvard. Straight to luck. camera. Yeah, it'll happen. Nothing good. <laughs> All right. We should bring our guest out. You want right, to so show him your magic cards when he comes out? Yeah, no, we'll, hide talk the about, we'll talk about magic cards for another. Before he gets out of here, hide the magic cards, please. <laughs> Seriously. I'm not afraid of, of who I am, Joe. Just, no. <laughs> you guys are in for a real treat today. Our guest on today's podcast has been involved with footwear for over 30 years and has held numerous titles under the Nike and Jordan brand umbrellas. Throughout his career in the industry, he was the man who had the daunting task of finding out ways to consistently reinvent classics, a lot of which included your favorite Jordans, Nike basketball, and Nike sportswear models. Working closely with famed designer Tinker Hatfield and Michael Jordan himself, he would build the functional aspect of the sneaker first and then help marry design cues that were intended to satisfy the vision of the greatest player of all time. Later in his career, it was under his guidance and vision that took the Jordan hysteria to new levels through exclusive colorways and collaborations that changed footwear forever. Undefeated fours, the defining moments pack, this man pushed the button for those sneakers to happen. And in between his Jordan tenure, he did a stint at Nike Sportswear and greenlit things like the Galaxy Foam Posit. Although he announced his retirement earlier this year, his footwear history is solidified and his reputation as a product design risk taker is something that will live on forever. We're excited to have on the Complex Sneakers podcast, Mr. Gentry Humphrey. Good morning. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Yes, good, good, good. Yes, How's it going? All right, good to see you. Good I hope you. everybody in here understands how much of a legend this guy is. I hope the people at home listening and watching know everything that Gentry Humphrey has done in this industry. But I feel like it's hard to know because he's done so much. Thank you, I appreciate that. How are you, Gentry? I'm great, thanks. Have you had a chance to walk the floor yet? I got a sneak peek. I looked mm -hmm. at a couple of sneaker collections out there. Yeah. Uh, wasn't out there long enough to really 
enjoy it, but yeah. What have you been eating this weekend? Because we're mostly talking about food. food. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I just got back from uh, Cabo, so okay. I had a lot of great Mexican food, so that's been good. Okay. A little better than hotel lobby pizza, but okay. Yeah. And do yeah. you like magic cards? Actually, I do. Really? Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. I'm glad you're you not afraid to admit it. You, there's a pack for you. You, uh, you right. actually like Magic Card Century? Yeah, yeah, I actually do. You don't have to lie to me. <laughs> no, no, I do. Century. I'm good, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, you're going to meet me in the Hyatt Regency lobby to play later with Chris Schoenberg. I'm not sure about all that, but... <laughs> At any point in your career, did you ever try and make a Magic the Gathering Jordan brand collaboration happen? Yeah, you know what? Actually, nothing to, to do with any cards, but yes, I did try to do some magic presentations okay. that were somewhat epic back in the day, making a shoe that people hadn't seen come alive. But Any dragons involved? No, no dragons. It was uh, real magic involved. These are real? Oh, okay. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Gentry, can we talk about the shoes that you have on feet, by the way? We like to, oh, we like sure. to break the ice a little sure, bit. Sure, sure, sure. What's on feet right here? These are Air Force Ones. Uh, probably one of my favorite shoes based on uh, this particular colorway, uh, especially because for those of you that don't know, this shoe was actually called the Mistake Shoe. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, the reason they call it, we called it the mistake was because when we originally tried to uh, introduce this into the marketplace, it was supposed to be a white black with a swoosh, and the outsole, the very uh, tip of the outsole was supposed to be black, mm -hmm. but the entire cup sole came back all black, and it was like, oh, this mistake, and we're like, ah, well, we'll just release it anyway, blew out, wow. And uh, actually, just became one of my favorites. It's like my dress shoe. Wait, and you have the you have the G Money character on the yeah. Heroes? So I have my G Money character on the inside, uh, just embroidered. Uh, Something like right? very nice. And you have yeah. you have some Air Jordan fours too with yeah. the G Money on it. Yep, yep, yep. Little... Being in your position at Jordan Brand, could you make whatever shoe you wanted for yourself personally, or were there guidelines on what you could? No, could there there's some guidelines, but you know. <laughs> You have some liberties at time. And is there one that sticks out a pair that you got that's obviously a one of one that is just like one that you put in the upper echelon of your collection? Uh, I won't say, man, I have a ton. So, so just so you know, when we sample up products mm -hmm. uh, to get some great, you know, uh, colorways, we'll do multiple colors to get two or four or whatever we need for the season. And so within that, you'll have some that come back and some may not cut you know, cut the bill, and then some might be super hot, and you'd be like, ooh, these are too nice to let go. I need those for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just come over. Um, but I would say probably one of the one of my, probably the biggest in my collection, I would think, is the original Defining Moments pack. Uh -huh. okay. So mm -hmm. that shoe was, uh, for those of you that don't know, it's a two-shoe pack. Mm -hmm. We launched it to um, uh, around MJ's uh, first championships. Well, if you really know MJ's really first championship, it was uh, his game at, at uh, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. yep. And so the original pack was a three-shoe pack. Okay. And so we had an actual uh, Converse shoe that was mm -hmm. a part of that mix. That Pro collection. leather, right? Yep. yep, yep. And we did we took the silhouette of MJ hitting that game-winning shot over Georgetown and put that on the heel. Wow. And so, um, so, yeah, I have, like, three of those.
Was that Couple in UNC colors or? Yeah, it was a UNC so, color with a gold, with some gold accents. I remember a big moment around that pack too. I think it was on Bob Beto's It's the Shoes yeah, when yeah, he, yeah. he came to the Jordan brand office around that time and you were like, hey man, I got something special for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, and you presented him with the, the, with the, pack, with yeah. the DMP pack yeah. and that ended up going to be, I feel like that's one of the shoes that very early on would define what sneaker height yeah, yeah. was. Do you think that that's accurate? or Definitely, definitely. Because until then, you know, when I first came with the point of view, it was like, what, you're going to try to do a $500 collection? You know, at that mm -hmm. time, it was huge. But, you know, I've always been, uh, if you tell the right story, and it's an authentic story, and people will rock with you, you know? Um, and so it was, some people wanted it, some people didn't, that's okay. Um, so, yeah, but I do think that was kind of the start of some of the hype that happened. I just remember that gold box. We talk about yeah. it a lot on this podcast. Yeah. And I remember, I think I was maybe a couple years out of finish line, but the mall that day was just so crazy. <laughs> Such a crazy release. Yeah, yeah. How much did you guys pay attention to the hype that happens on the day of release and things like reselling? Because I feel like, Gentry, you came to Jordan brand and you helped turn retro Jordans into a real significant part yep. of the brand's business. And with that came all this hype and all that reselling. Was that something that you were actively paying attention to in terms of how big it was getting? Yeah, you know, it was funny. So, you know, we originally tried to drop the three and we did a, a you know, I think it was 93, you know, we tried to bring it back. And, man, it was not a good product. Mm. <laughs> um, we had, I think I remember looking at like 27 mistakes that were made on the sand, on the actual shoe that had come to market. That first version of the Retro Jordan yep. 3? Yeah. What, are, what are the mistakes on yeah. a shoe like that? Oh, well, it was like a bunch of small ones that led up to one big one. So stitch lines, mm. you know, where um, logos were placed, you know, outsoles, colorway, like minor things like stitch lines in a cup sole. Like there's just a lot of little things that were just not right, mm -hmm. heights and all that. And so went back and changed those things to make sure that they were right. And I think that helped because you cannot fool this consumer. These mm -hmm. are some of the most discerning consumers and they know their stuff. And so um, the, the tough part about all that becomes, you know, you don't always work with some of the same factories that you worked back in, with in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So you can't have access to the exact same materials and things of that nature. So sometimes you're, you're stuck with getting the best that you can do. But I think um, the whole hype uh, for me was, you know, I, there were so many people that everywhere I used to go, people would talk about their story. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a story. Man, I love the threes. I wanted those things so bad. I had to, you know, get straight A's for a whole year or whatever. Or I had to cut lawns. Like, everybody has a story. And so to me, being able to kind of bring those things back, but bring them back the right way mm -hmm. um, was important. And I think that helped, you know, kind of spark the whole, uh, what we know today. How, you know. how many one-on-one -on -one meetings would you have with Michael Jordan himself when you were trying to, you know, recreate that shoe, like just presenting it to him? Like, yeah. what, what was that process like? All the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, Michael, the one thing about Michael that, that I've always said is he's, to me, the secret weapon of the brand. Mm. You know, I don't think that um, people really underestimate how astute he is to the game. Um, I mean, from a business standpoint, he can tell you the numbers of what, what's going on in the brand. And he loves footwear. Yeah. Um, I think that if he wasn't a professional athlete, he'd probably want to do something. And, you know, he's a guy that's, um, 
you know, he's not like the guy next door. He's mm. very different, loves being different, and doesn't mind being perceived as doing it his way. And so he's on, you know, he's in all the conversations. At some point in time, we'll present the collection to him, and, and he's just great with, you know, stories. We'll, we'll have inspiration for a particular project. We'll go to him and we'll say, hey, Em, here's kind of what the inspiration was we're talking about. Lamborghinis or whatever the mm-hmm. thing might be, and he'd be like, hey, you know what? I love Lambos. He goes, but I love the sophistication of the Ferrari. And of mm-hmm. course, he's got 51 cars, <laughs> so he's you know, like, check this one out. Yeah. I just got this. And so you get nuggets from him all the time. So he's in every step of the uh, the process. He's he's a part of it. Do you re- do you remember a shoe that you ever had? He had like a disagreement with you on that you presented. Because I remember originally he said he like told Macklemore he didn't like green shoes when he wanted that, but was yeah, there anything yeah. that? Well, he's not a fan of black shoes ever. Really? Yeah. What? He does not like black shoes. Um, yeah, you, you'll, you'll probably rarely see him wear black shoes. I mean, every time he wore them in the uh, <laughs> playoffs, <laughs> uh, he, you know, he, it was a, a mentality that he went. He wanted to wear black shoes based on how uh, he wanted to take his game to the next level when he was in an, an opponent's arena, and so he felt his notion of being stealth-like was important. And so that would be the only time. Like, casually, though, you'll never see him wear black shoes. Interesting. So, so that that's constant, like, you know, we show him very similar. Yeah, yeah, or whatever, the black one. Show him the <laughs> white one, and he's good. Another thing I found interesting is that even, like, with the Jordan 11, we always look at the patent leather and think of it from, like, an aesthetic standpoint. But that almost had – that had function in it as well. You guys were thinking about function first always, yep. which a lot of brands always say. But, like, the patent leather on the Jordan 11, didn't you say that there was, like, function in that as well? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, the, the great thing about the Air Jordan 11 was – <laughs> I crazy enough, MJ actually wanted patent leather on the AJ9. Okay. okay. So the AJ9 could have had patent leather, but it was for us, even at the time, we are like, ooh, this might be a little much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of late in the game when he had brought it up to us. So obviously he took a break, uh, didn't wear the 10s, and mm-hmm. then when it was time to do the 11, you know, we brought it back. But the 11 was most important. Most people, um, it was the first time that the world had seen carbon fiber shank plates. Well, Michael had developed plantar fasciitis, Mm -hmm. and so back in the day, what they would do is put a steel, basically, sock liner, steel plate underneath the sock liner to keep the shoe from flexing where it needed to flex. Uh, Because once your tendons start to stretch, it makes the uh, plantar fasciitis uh, worse. So that plate became the key, and we actually built everything around the plate. So if you're going to build a plate and want people to see it, you got to do clear out soles so that people can see it. So that was the first and foremost thing, and you know, the aesthetic was what people was known for, but I think when it, what we try to do is make sure that we get all of our players to play at the highest level um, with product that they're going to be able, this going to be able to sustain their type of game. And so, to complement what we did in the in the tooling, we basically said, how can we keep him on the foot on the on top of the foot frame? So you've always seen those Sports Illustrated shots where the guy's just basically rolling off yeah. the top of the shoe. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah. Going to break his own ankles, not somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. And so um, the nature of patent leather, it's, it's a synthetic, uh, and it's not porous like full-grain leathers are. And so full-grain leathers, when they get sweaty, they start to stretch. And so patent leather doesn't do that. So in order to keep him on the foot frame, we used uh, patent leather. And obviously he was, like, loving it because he's like, 
I know somebody's gonna wear this in performance. And we have boys. Boys to men. Yeah, yeah. He said, I want it to be worn with a tuxedo. So I, I gotta mention that the Jordan 11 too, because Gentry, I actually got a pair of Jordan 11s from you in 2012. For the people who remember when Gentry would be on Twitter, the Cracker Jacks. You remember yeah, yeah, Cracker Jacks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell people what Cracker Jacks was for, for the uninitiated. Yeah, so, you know, I, I I don't hardly do anything on social media anymore because mm. I got just a terrible experience. And it was because of Cracker Jacks. Really? Yeah. Not because of was me. It cause of no, him? not because of you. Not because okay. Of you. So, so, so what Cracker Jacks, what I did was I just thought it would be cool to give back to people. Like, my whole thing is about how do you how do we as a brand and me as a person mm -hmm. give back and so it was my way of like just honoring people that love the sneaker game mm -hmm. and so what i would do is i'd be anywhere in the world and i called it cracker jacks and the reason i call it cracker jacks is because that's maybe telling my age a little bit but back in the day they had this caramel corn that you could buy in a box and it was called cracker jacks mm -hmm. and inside there was always this little prize that yep. you could get mm -hmm. and so for me, that was my way of giving away a prize. And um, so I would take something that's not um, gonna come out for maybe two, three months or whatever. I'd have certain size runs and I'd take them with me wherever I was in the world and then I'd be on, Inst on uh, Twitter and I'd basically say, hey look, who's following? If you've got, if you're wearing a size 10 and if you know the question to this or that, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I'd say, Meet me here, mm -hmm. or I'd say, go into the, the tree casino. in front of the mall, yeah, yeah. yeah and so climb up there and go get it. Did you leave the magic card convention to go meet him for the eleventh? <laughs> you, you said you ended up getting a pair of size five, though. Yeah, right? it was a size five pair of Concord Elevens, I think, in two thousand and twelve. Really? Yeah, That's I think you crazy. left them at a casino in Salem, Oregon. That's and the crazy. instruction was That's like, right. tell the person at the front desk that I forget. You left like an envelope, and the yeah. envelope was addressed to like Jay Concord or yeah, something yeah. like that. That's right. That's and what you I told would do. them, yeah. And that was you. That was me. That's Look at this crazy. full circle moment. That today. is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was at a Boys to Men concert that, that yeah. night, and then I um, I just had a pair of fives that happened to be in my car, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna leave these for someone. That's crazy. <laughs> Look at. What, what tell is, me about the bad experiences you had though. How? Why did that stop? Well, it stopped because everybody, like, you can't, you know, you can never please anybody on mm. social media anyway. Yep. Um, but it was just bad because I had people just, like, crapping on me for, like, you didn't bring size 10? What the hell? <laughs> you know, like, everywhere I was yeah. going. And I, I would have like, appreciated the 10 and a half. <laughs> Wait, what, what did you do with the size 5? Is it on eBay somewhere? It might be on eBay. Okay. <laughs> might have hit eBay at some point. The listing never expired. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just a bad experience just because people were just like it negated all the good that I was trying to do, you know, to, yeah. and so I just like, you know what, this not worth it. Did so. anybody at the brand care? So you were at Nike for 25, 30 years, and I feel like you were at a high up position where you can kind of do what you want without having to worry too much about the rules that a lot of people have to play by. You, you retired this fall. Was anybody at Nike upset when you were doing Cracker Jacks, or that was cool with No, them? you know, no, they weren't then. Um, I, you I said they lot. weren't then. <laughs> yeah, I think if I were to try to do it now, probably would people would, you know, frown a little bit, but, you know, I, I, I had a little bit of leeway. Yeah. Gentry, you mentioned that the, the nine was supposed to have patent leather, but did, like, Bibby and Derek Anderson have patent leather yeah, on their yeah. nines for player exclusives? Yeah, yeah. So what about... God, so many amazing... You did one for Kobe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did that happen? Were you guys trying to 
actively court him at the time? Were you part of that? No. So, so if you remember, Kobe was with Adidas at yeah. first, and then he wanted out of that contract. Mm-hmm. And there early two thousands, two thousand three, I want to say. Yeah, I'm yeah. terrible with dates, but same. Probably yeah, right. years. <laughs> um, but uh, he, so so he uh, in his contract it said that he couldn't wear any one brand for a certain amount of time. So what the guys on the Nike basketball side did, they did some shoes for him, and then I did some shoes for him, and you know he, yeah. he rocked them, and obviously yeah. people went nuts. I saw one of the collectors had, had a couple yeah. of them up in this. What players, what, I remember like Darius Miles and, yeah. and like uh, Q, Quentin you know? What, yeah. Who do you think like in your estimation had the best player exclusives? Which players stuck out? To me by far, Ray Allen. Okay. Not yeah. Mike Bibby? No. Bibby had some hot stuff. Too. Yeah, Bibby has a vault. Yeah. Have you heard but, Fat Joe's story about getting choked up by Bibby? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Ray Allen had like a better color palette to work for on his shoes, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, the thing, Ray is one of my best friends, so mm. he had all the stuff. Like he even had stuff that didn't make the court. That's wow. Pre fire. So, but between Ray and, and Mike, and Mike is, Bibby, he's a man. He he's a shoe. He a true sneakerhead. He anything and everything. And to this day. He'll still call me. I'm not even there anymore. He'll still call me. <laughs> you, you mentioned Kobe, and I want to talk about another athlete who was kind of on a different brand, and I heard that maybe you had something to do with trying to court them. So your, your resume is so deep at Nike. You were at Nike Basketball when you first started, I think, and then you go to Jordan Brand for about a decade. Nike Sportswear, 2010 to 2015. Nike Golf, back at Jordan, then you left. But early in your career, is it true that you worked on a Nike model that was supposed to be for Allen Iverson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, early on, uh, you know, Allen Iverson's nickname was, it was Bubba Chuck, mm-hmm. what they called him. And so we did a shoe called the Bubba Chuck mm-hmm. um, prior to him coming out in 95. So I was just right around the same time as the 11 coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did a shoe um, that we called the Bubba Chuck and it was based on, um, it had a, so, so if I could, uh, if you could envision a, if uh, AJ11 and a Jason Kidd Zoom 95, mm-hmm, okay. a little baby, <laughs> it would look kind of like what so it had like big the bubbles on the side. Yeah, like yeah, bubbles it, on the side. It actually did, it had the um, outriggers with those little nubs on the okay. side. We didn't have the big uh, TPU pieces on the mm-hmm. side. We, we had some overlays that mimic the rand of the uh, AJ11 that were there instead. But the tooling was closer to the to Did you ever get to present it to him? Uh, no, we, we really didn't. Um, we Actually, he saw it um, because when we were uh, courting him to come to us, he had a chance to see it, but I, I wasn't pitching it at that time, so yeah. I, I didn't get to do it. Is there any other, and you know, AI obviously huge, but is there any other ones that kind of like got away that you really made a pitch for? Uh, no, there were some interesting ones, though, like... Uh, like Shaq's was really interesting. Well, what happened with that? Well, it was it was kind of like over before it ever started. Okay. Um, you know, he had just gone to Reebok first. Didn't he show up to the Nike campus wearing Reebok? Yep. Is that what is that what happened? <laughs> That's why it was over before wow. it started. <laughs> this guy's known there? to do that sometimes oh, yeah. to my left. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Gentry, I have to touch on it. So you mentioned internet hate before yeah. and. People from my generation, how I learned about you was through Nike Talk. Mm-hmm. And on oh, Nike God. Talk, <laughs> that's, that's my first introduction to you was on Nike Talk. Everyone's, because you were in the era when, you know, you're, you were doing yep. kind of like the Retro Plus 
yeah. sort of shoes, and the yeah. whole thing was Gentry's ruined Jordan brand again. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was just yeah. the the narrative the on the internet. Yeah. yeah, on the internet. How did that feel, and how did you react to that at the time? You know, it was funny. So at first, I was taking it personal. I was telling everybody. To <laughs> Did you have a burner account? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. You had a wait. You had a Nike Talk burner yes, account. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I was, I was ahead of the curve. Yeah, I, I, I had to, I had to kind of control myself. But you know who helped me a ton with that was um, Fat Joe was one of them. And DJ he said, Clark. "You have any problems on the internet? Just call me." And, and DJ Clark Kent. Okay. Shouts to both, DJ Clark Kent. Both of Kent. those dudes helped me a ton there because they were like, "Gee, man, freaking all the haters," you know, like. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have them, and then you know who else helped me with it a ton was Oprah Winfrey. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Okay. Hold on, who is having that conversation? Yeah. Well, Oprah's on Nike Talk. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if she was. <laughs> but but the reason I say she helped me was because she you know she was saying hey you know I've given to so many organizations mm. probably giving more money than basically anyone, and mm -hmm. she was just telling me like all the hate stuff that comes her way. And I was like, well, damn, if they're hating, they're hating on Oprah, like, they're definitely gonna hate on my ass. So, <laughs> right, so right. hey, it just comes with the territory, and so you, you grow thick skin, and you just deal with we it. We have to ask then, is Oprah into Jordans like that? Um, I don't know how much. Wait, did you design a shoe for Oprah that never came out? Is no, that what you're telling me? No, no. But she's asked. She got the Shaq said, shoe. She, hey, <laughs> she's asked for some stuff, and we've wow. obviously taken care of. But yeah, I don't think she's a snickerhead like that. Yeah, I, I feel like one of the awesome. one of the things that people were always contesting online was the inclusion of Nike Air on the back or the Jumpman yeah, logo yeah. on the back. Mm -hmm. I feel like you played a role in that. Can you talk about that decision and how special it was at the time to have different kind of branding on there and where it's at yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so at one time, like, so, so coming into, so what we did in 98, the Jordan brand was established as a true brand. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I was working in Nike basketball and responsible for the Jordan stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and when it became a, its own brand, I, I basically said that, um, as long as I was around mm -hmm. and, and working on all the projects, I would never put the Nike Air on the back of any of the remakes that we did. Why? Just to protect it? And the reason was is there were a ton of people out there that were even smarter than I was mm -hmm. who saved those legendary products. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. I mean, from way back in the day. And I felt like those people should be rewarded for that. Like, you wanted to keep the Nike Air version the special? Yeah, mm -hmm. for the people that were sharp enough to, 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 to collect the shoes back then, I just felt like it was the right thing to pay homage to them for being so on top of the game. And then obviously I left to do um, some stuff on the Nike side, and mm. then they they all started jumping back on it. Yeah. <laughs> so it went away that quick. How, how did you feel the first time that you saw them put the Nike Air back on the shoe? I was like, they sold out. <laughs> <laughs> but but obviously it was a big part but, of the business. But didn't you feel weird then, like you know, you have like a new generation of sneakerheads, and you're not giving them the opportunity to enjoy yeah. the same product that it came out before? Did you feel like they yeah, were yeah. shorting people by not giving them their original? I didn't care, but at that point it didn't matter because it was already out. And yeah. So I embraced it after that, you know. So I, I got it. It was it was not that big. To be honest with you, I probably would have came back at some point, even if I wouldn't have if I would have stayed in the brand and not gone back to the gone to the Nike side to do some things. It pro I probably would have given in to it just mm -hmm. because you know I, I I let the consumer decide a lot of times, and we we do a ton of focus groups and talking to consumers and. 
I might I may have done it a little bit different than how it was introduced to make it super special, but um, I, I get it probably would have came around. Another thing from that era was I feel like all the Jordan 1s were mids, and now it's become such a meme where nobody wants Jordan 1 mids, and <laughs> if you wear Jordan 1 mids, you are a person of poor taste. And you're only allowed to wear Jordan 1 highs. Are, are you familiar with this kind of, this, this idea? Yeah, but you know, it's so funny. So when I came back to the brand. 2018? 18, yeah. Um, the first thing I said is like, you know, we are not showing any love to the AJ1 low or mm -hmm. the mid. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so you're big on the mid then? Yeah, I'm, I'm because from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but but I and I do think like when you look at the the pricing structure and how he did things, it was like this shoe has the ability to be a true franchise for the brand. Mm. And so just show it some love. Like we were early on putting some you know leathers that were just less desirable on it, and I was like, we weren't telling stories. We're known for telling great stories and bring in great materials and colorways. And and so just show it some love. And now look at today, it's, it's a billion dollar business of it on, on its own. The, the mid on its own? No, the, the whole franchise is. The Jordan the one mid franchise. carries it. Uh, yeah. You talk about making a lot of money with Jordan brand. I think one of the things that doesn't get discussed enough or gets hated on most is, you know, the at the, the rise in that whole era of Team Jordans, mm -hmm. you know, and how big that was to yep. the business. What was your thoughts on that, you know? Like collectors hating them, but then also making like the bulk of the money for Jordan brand. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny. It's part of the whole deal. Like when people have start to hate on you, they just don't understand like the business side of it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, we built a brand that um, if you're going to continue to grow, and if you just try to build a brand strictly on, you know, retros or what we've done in the past, at some point, you know. The, the sustainability of that goes away because you, you're going to run out. So I was always trying to make sure that we built the next retro, mm -hmm. you know, show people something new so that, and honestly, like, you know, today's consumer, you'll see a lot of, a lot of kids out there looking at 14, 15, 16, through 18, and even 23, like, as they're starting to become their grails. Yeah. So, so... To me, that's what it's about. You know, it's, it's about allowing you know the, the brand to live on by showing them new things, and in some cases, the team stuff. I mean, I even take I the one I take a ton of heat for is uh, the fusions. Let's talk about <laughs> it. The fusion key Glock, key Glock, like. No, the but fusions. we've had like people on our show full size run young, like younger people who yeah. they loved the fusion growing yeah. up because yeah. you said they they were twelve years old when yep. that shoe came yep. out. Yeah. That was a crazy one. <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> uh, so mostly I, what I can say. Um, it was one of those things where I just wasn't uh, a big fan mm. of, of doing it, um, but was asked to try to make it work <laughs> and <laughs> by some pretty big people in big places. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, we, we, we just ended up making it worse. And, and at the time, if you think of it, it was... You know, in the industry, rarely do you have an opportunity to bring two great worlds together. Right. And we had an Air Jordan, the brand, and we had Air Force One and one of the biggest models, and we bring them together and, again, see what happens. <laughs> the enthusiasm is palpable. Right? <laughs> <laughs> one, but one, I got a lot of heat for that one. I was like, but but it, I assume it's another one of those things where people just use you as the scapegoat. Oh, for sure. Not knowing that... Sounds like it was an idea. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. We talked about kind of, um, you know, you 
being at Jordan brand mostly, but then like bouncing around. But one sneaker that we have to talk about when you went to Nike basketball, the Galaxy Foam Posit. Yeah. Can you enlighten the audience about like how involved you were in that? Yeah. I think you got pushed back internally. I mean, That's I always crazy. tell the story that I got a pair of those a little early when I was working at Complex, and it was the only day I've been threatened to Someone like- threatened like rob you on Twitter. Yeah, they were like, don't leave the office. I, I like posted a picture <laughs> like, thanks so much for these, and then I was threatened like, don't leave the office. Same people who were hassling you about the Cracker Jacks. Yeah, you know? exactly. I had to call Oprah, she was like, listen, it's fine. You can leave, and the rest is history. But talk about that sneaker, uh, such like a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that shoe was, um, originally was slated actually as a brand new project that we were going to introduce into the industry mm. just by way of technology you know there's there's basketball shoes you know at the time were you know leathers and textiles and overlays and rubber and basically and we're just like how can we kind of change the game up you know be innovative and, and move in a different direction and the reality of it was is i'm sitting there showing uh working with penny hardaway mm -hmm. to, to talk about what we're going to do on his next signature shoe and in the bag we always show the athletes kind of what we're coming out with the season and he happened to see the phone posit and he was like what is that yeah and so it was perfect because you know it, you had a face now that could kind of take that to a different direction so that's kind of why you have a phone posit one and a, mm -hmm. and a pro Got because it. the swoosh was really originally was just going to be one shoe and then we ultimately did two because of penny so the model itself. Wait, wait, was, wait! I don't understand. Yeah, so there was originally going to be just one foam posit, mm -hmm. one that was without the swoosh. Mm -hmm. So that's what Penny saw, and so that's what we ended up doing gotcha. for Penny. But we felt like there was an opportunity to also complement it to tell a new story for the entire industry. So we did the pro. So we just added the swoosh. So you had a Penny version and you had the pro version. Gotcha. That, that's crazy too, because you know the, people always talk about the foam posit being it's like a million dollars per size to make for the molds, and then Nike probably seemed like they didn't want to spend that much anyways. But then they're like, screw it, we'll spend we'll all that more money and yeah. throw a swoosh on it. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just an opportunity. The original idea was to kind of take it in a different zone. But when you have someone who's like Penny who was killing it the way it was, hey, you know, and most athletes, you can't move. Once they get stuck on something, like it'd been hard to take them off of it. But getting back to the story around the galaxy. So um, I think um, what we have been, uh, what, what, I, what we try to do really well is just tell great stories. Mm -hmm. And so with the um, All-Star Game being in Houston, um, and we build product a year and a half out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have some time to work on some things. And so we just basically played on the whole notion of NASA and the galaxy and stars. And, and we had a couple versions of that. I did a, one of them that people ended up calling it the Milky Way. We didn't call it the Milky mm -hmm. Way, but was one that I did in a presentation in Las Vegas. And it was kind of an early sample of what yeah. the galaxy I remember was the image of you holding it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And so we had a couple models of it, but the whole thing with that was to really skin the shoe differently than what we, um, how we had done it before. And so um, we worked with this one vendor that was really, really good, and it took a lot of work to try to uh, make that happen and have it come out the right way. But once we landed it, obviously it was huge. I mean, we had people trading cars for yeah, it. Yeah, someone traded a car for yeah. the Or they tried to. Oh, they tried to. Yeah. 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 I remember one release for the shoe, there was a helicopter that was circling above the mall because that's how much chaos ensued. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did you ever have like second thoughts when you know you would make a shoe and then there'd be that much hype attached to it and then like maybe these crazy situations would occur where you're like maybe we shouldn't have created a sneaker that that was gonna drum up that much pandemonium? Uh, not really, but that doesn't mean that we weren't socially conscious of what what happens, mm -hmm. you know, because. You know, we used to launch product on weekdays, on Wednesdays yeah, were the yep. days. And we're like, no, you know, we don't need kids cutting school and all mm -hmm. that stuff. So we moved them out. And, you know, we've tried to do a numerous amount of things to try to, you know, prevent anything negative from happening on, on launch days. But sometimes, you know, unfortunately, I think it's more of a societal problem. You know, you got, you know, people doing a bunch of bad things for all the wrong reasons. And, you know, these things happen to be... Uh, highly sought after and they came in so you know we always try to pay attention to it and make sure that we do try to be as responsible about it as, as possible but to be quite honest sometimes we don't even know that some of the stuff mm -hmm. is going to be as good as this I mean we've mm -hmm. got a good feel for like what's hot but there's been times I've been wrong too like what's, there, what's, right, yeah. Yeah, what's <laughs> one that you were wrong about and, and one that you didn't expect uh, let's see I'd probably say one of them that I was pretty wrong about was, well, I thought that the AJ23 was going to be way better than it was. Mm -hmm. You mean better as a product or better received? Better received. Product-wise, I, I mean, to me, it answered all, it checked yeah. all the boxes. Yeah. There was still some, there was like the titaniums and whatnot. Yeah, Finale was, shoe? Yeah. That was a big shoe. Yeah, but, but no, I thought it was going to be like AJ11. Yeah. And and I think it was way ahead of its time. You know, it was the first shoe that, you know, you start talking about sustainable nature. Like, mm -hmm. we were doing it way back then. Like, we used water-based solvents versus some of the glues that were out that everybody in the industry was using. How we constructed the TPU piece was completely different. Mm -hmm. How we told stories about, you know, MJ and his love for motorcycle riding with the Native American Indian culture. Like, to me, way ahead of its time, but... Just to me, never got the the love that it that it should have gotten. And then there's been some colorways that I thought have been pretty hot that just didn't didn't make it. Um, I think. What was the other question? And then what was one that surprised you? Maybe that did so well, and you were like, I don't know if this one is gonna go. Um, I think the the second Jumpman Pro Two. Okay. That one was like. It was kind of flying in the face. It wasn't the actual Air Jordan, so Michael wasn't really going to wear it. Mm -hmm. But it was pretty bold and provocative. Um, and so I thought it had potential, but I was like, okay, well, we'll see. Because it's still on a, on a team shoe. And then when it hit, it was really good. And then you had, you know, Cincinnati Bearcats, which were the crazy guys back in, mm, yeah. you know, uh, Kenya March Madness. Yeah, those guys were... Man, I can tell you some stories there too. That was hilarious. Please. <laughs> well, it's just there's this one story that um, that was just pretty wild. So we used to go to the to the courts um, to some of the teams and watch them play, mm. and we get feedback from all the players. Um, and there was one time where they were practicing, and uh, they were the coach was there telling the guys, "Hey, you need to take a charge. Everybody needs to learn how to take a charge." So they had this drill where they would be standing at like the free throw line and they would run like from half court and then dudes would just have to Full speed. Dance, pound them. <laughs> and then one guy, I'm not going to name the name, he's Can like, you give us his initials? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, the coach, and you know Huggins was yeah. a beast. Coach says, 
that was a uh, edited version. Yeah. <laughs> that was a cat-like charge. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> and 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 so so he goes, I'll show you how to take a charge. So <laughs> you got Coach Huggins at the free throw line, like ready to take a charge from Jason Maxill, which wow. is like six eight, like two eighty, and he goes back to the baseline. <laughs> Coaches laid out. <laughs> Everybody's like, all the players were dying laughing. His shoes come off his feet. Oh man, it was crazy. It was crazy. But yeah, they that team was hilarious. But they were great as far as like, you know, giving us real feedback. Like no one held their tongue on stuff that was bad or good. You talk about product, you know that. You weren't sure it was going to make an impact or not. You know, a lot of the um, models that you know you're attached to were like like new versions of stuff, like an altitude thirteen. You know, a, a lightning four, a cool gray eleven. Like you know, like retro plus sort of models of colorways that had never um, come out before. Is it crazy to you to see that when those shoes came out, they were a big deal, but then all these years later, they kind of re- became like the new. Yeah. Classics didn't get retroed in their own right. Did you ever expect them to be retroed when you first made these things? No way. Like like a lot of the stuff. And this is crazy. So back in the day before we had like, you know, all the computers to do everything, like literally it was like I went to college to do coloring. <laughs> so it was like coloring exercise. <laughs> it had markers mm-hmm. and you know, that's how like Cool Gray Eleven was done. Like a lot of black You Just altitude. drew the Cool Gray Eleven did, yeah. on a sheet of paper yep. with a marker. Yep. Wow. With a marker. And literally, and I get up really early in the morning, so I'm just the early bird. And so I went into the office one day really early and just started doing it. And so, and then some of them were just colorways based on um, what our apparel team was doing. So, you know, back then I was, I was like, you know, I was pushing on our apparel to kind of move in a different direction. Mm-hmm. You didn't like the jeans? <laughs> I gotta be good. <laughs> you don't work there anymore. So, so yeah, but they're still my people. Um, but let's just say, so I wanted to see some things change. And so then they gave me some apparel responsibility. So at least colorways, like you would think it'd be easy for us to hook up color, mm. you know, between the two, between yeah. apparel and footwear. But we never could get on the right page. And so we finally started doing that. And so that's literally how some of these colorways came about is, is oh, wow. literally looking at the color palette that was attached to uh, to that particular season and just really looking at it and making sure that it's stuff that's wearable. So if the apparel team is doing something that's pretty wild and bold and these crazy colorways, you're not going to do footwear that's wild and bold too. So it was just a matter of just coloring up. But there's no way I would have imagined that you know some of the same colorways would have been grails for today. cool gray 11s yeah, yeah, yeah. things like that yeah. what, about, what about i want to talk about space jam 11s real quick because you were still at the brand when the space jam 11 came back in 2009 right mm-hmm. surely you knew how huge that was going to be that yeah. felt like such a watershed moment yeah yeah <laughs> like it happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yes i mean it's a no-brainer some of you know those are kind of like layups do you get excited on those release days when a product like that that you know is going to be that huge <laughs> to be honest with you, i don't because those are like no-brainers. I get excited about the stuff that pushes the limits that people like really love, and and you know it's it's. But we told a great story, and it's an authentic story that relates. Like I like when the shattered backboard was done. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't in the brand, but I was playing basketball with uh, one of the guys that was responsible for. It. I'm like, dude, 
you guys need to do this. Mm -hmm. Like, and I kind of gave him the story. And then it came out. And, like, that was People that was love awesome. that shoe. That was awesome. You had the idea for the Shattered Backboard yeah. originally? Yeah. yeah. That's such, it's, it's one of these shoes, like you mentioned, yeah. retro colorways that have become like a new standard for a younger generation yeah. where like that's the grail for them. Yeah. And then what about like collaborations that are considered like people's grails that you were responsible for? Basically like the undefeated four sticks out as like such yeah. like a mythical yeah. sneaker mm -hmm. and yeah. only a few people have it. But but talk about that shoe. Is that one that like, I wouldn't consider that kind of like a fastball down the middle. There was like a story behind that. Yeah, you know, that was a crazy one because um, originally, like, to me, that was the start of collaborations. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's collaborating now, and, you know. Um, he was close. <laughs> oh, yeah. We talked about it before you got on there. <laughs> even even the people like us are Matt, almost Matt Wealthy Adidas, yeah. undefeated, undefeated Jordan 4, yeah. somewhere on the same level. Yeah, yeah. yeah collaborations, you know, are great because you can, you know, you can bring creative minds together and you discuss something and you might get something that neither one of you even expected. So it's great to do mm -hmm. that. And so I actually reached out to uh, the guys at Undefeated mm -hmm. and um, we started talking about what the potential opportunity could be. I loved the story that they had come up with. It was mm -hmm. all based on this military thing. Mm -hmm. And so we sat down and we started playing with colors and materials and textiles and um, but my big thing was with hopes that it led to some sort of give back. Mm -hmm. um, that was really big f for me. And, um, and I was a little disappointed because after we did the limited series, it wasn't as much of a give back as, as it was supposed to be. But we had, I had several um, others lined up to kind of do the next ones. And because it wasn't really panning out the way it was supposed to, we kind of let it go. What um, were some of those that you had lined up? Well, we had, I had something with, there's a company, or a retailer out of uh, the East Coast in Philly called Ubic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we were going to have some things lined up that we were going to do with them. But there's, there was several. I'm, I'm surprised that MJ himself was cool with the, the undefeated four being, the, you know, notoriously doesn't like green sneakers. And I imagine pitching him on saying, we're going to give this streetwear store their own collaboration wasn't the easiest thing to do. Now, one thing MJ does know is business. <laughs> Some things make good business sense. He Green, made, yeah. Yeah. He, he, hey. He's, he's not, um, I mean, he's sharp enough to know, like, hey, look, if this is what the consumer, like, even some of the stuff we worked on, you know, in this day and age with some of the new players, like, he's sharp enough to know, like, what I needed in my day and what I wanted was mm -hmm. one thing, but how we cater to the consumer today and to the athletes today is something else. So let's just make sure we're doing the right thing by them. So he's good like that, you know. But he's quick to also say, like, I love that. Just do it in white for me or, <laughs> or <laughs> whatever color. And later in your career, you start doing golf, Jordan, like Jordan golf. And I, the Chicago one golf shoes you, you did, essentially. And it's funny for me because I've had, like, best friends who obviously knew I was super into sneakers and like they're always like yeah that's like a cool little hobby you have and then but there was like one who was like a really big golfer and I got him the Jordan 1 golf spikes and he like still did I wears those to you you might have you might have <laughs> did yeah, you I'm pretty sure I did okay thank you um so yeah like he's known me for decades I've been into sneakers and he's he's like uh he's a pretty good golfer and I gave him those those Jordan 1 Chicago, and I remember he was like, yeah, on the golf course, they, like, didn't understand it, and now, a year, like, a couple years later, one, the value of those are skyrocketing, and two, it's like, 
every every Sunday that he's golfing, he'll just send me the picture, and it's like, <laughs> I get it, you're appreciative, but talk yeah. about that era, and like, you know, it's like a, a whole business for, for Jordan now. Yeah. You know, so so we, um, Michael loves the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the game as well, so it's an easy one for us. Who's to a better play. golfer? MJ is right. How much, how much money have you lost to Michael Jordan <laughs> playing golf? Well, not, <laughs> does so, Oprah come? Well, so let me tell you how it goes. So you got to play him for something. Okay. Because if you beat him and he goes home and tells everybody, "Hey, I beat Gentry Humphrey," he's like, "Who cares?" You know. But if I go and say, "Hey, I beat Michael Jordan," that's what he's worried about. Like, yeah. you okay. beat Michael. So you got to play for something to give him that edge. So the very first time we played, I basically said, "Hey, well, let's make it all relative." I was like, we take 1% of your income and 1% of mine. <laughs> wow. And then what's going to happen? I'm like, I, if I got a five-foot putt for, for 500 bucks, like yeah. my ass is going to shake. Yeah. I said, but you won't even blink. I said, if my 500 to your 500,000, yeah. now what? I said, you might shake at 500,000. Right. He's like, get the F out of here. <laughs> so, he didn't agree to the terms? No, he did not agree to those terms. But he got the message. Yeah. Um, so usually we'll play, we, we make it light. We'll play $100 a side. We'll do front nine, back nine overall. What's the best group grouping you've been with playing golf with him? Any that stick out that was like, oh, yeah, even my, that you, you know, you've been around? The, by like, far. Me, Michael, Tiger Woods, and John Cook. He plays on the senior tour now. Wow. Incredible! It was a wild day. Like, like I mean, you're with two legends, yeah. you know, playing and and listening to them talk smack, and it was. And that day, I got a little bit of money too. That day, okay. So Wait, you beat Tiger Woods? Well, no, I didn't get money from him. <laughs> he, I got it from John Cook and MJ. But uh, he, sh- Tiger, shot 61 that day wow. and hit hit an OB on 18. Could have been a 59. I want to ask you this because I heard this story in a rumor going around years ago. I don't know if you have an answer to this. Speaking of Tiger Woods, that there was a pack of like four shoes that they had made, like a Serena shoe, a Dontrell Willis shoe, all the dunks. Um, and there was a Dontrell Willis dunk in, in green. And then there was the quote unquote Dontrell Willis dunk in red, but it was the ace of clubs. And it, it was supposed to be a Tiger Woods shoe. Do you know about this? Sorry, and, I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know about it, or we can't talk about it. No, no, no. I don't. I honestly don't know about. That okay. One. All right. All right. I didn't know because there was, was a Nike talk rumor. Yeah. There was a rumor that Tiger Wood, Tiger Woods didn't want a dunk made for himself, and then that's why. It, oh, really? Yeah. I don't know about that one. But I wouldn't doubt it. One shoe you do know about. I got a chance to interview the Eastside Golf. Yeah, yeah. Guys, and I guess you kind of helped make that happen to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Air Jordan Four. Yeah. Again, you know. Again, I love golf, and I honestly believe like how we help, you know, pay it forward to next generation mm-hmm. of whether it's designers, whether it's creatives, whether it's young uh, black entrepreneurs, whatever. That's incumbent upon us to do that. And so when I met him, I met him actually through uh, Chris Paul and and okay. his brother C J Paul. Mm-hmm. And um, I just loved what they're about. You know, I think they're two young, aspiring uh, professionals who have, you know, who want to do something in the game of golf. And I love what their story's about. And so uh, I just felt like it was important to, to try to help them get to get on the right foot. And so sat down with them and did a collab. And again, it had to be 
uh, an authentic story that we told. And so the whole thing about the cement, you mm. know, on the fours and them rising through the cement and, you know, like a rose and all that type of stuff came into play. There's stories about, um, you know, the portrait of uh, Elijah Wan, who's the, one of the owners. Mm. You know, his story is basically painted on the bottom of the shoe. Um, so it was, I, I just felt it was the right thing to do. And those golf shoes resell for a lot of money. Like yeah, there was like yeah, a, a lot of. Them. Yeah. Are you surprised sometimes at the resale market? No, you you know, I actually love it just because you know. And again, getting back to your original question, mm-hmm. you know, we started doing promo versions of golf shoes way back in the day, so none went out for uh, retail purposes at all. It was all like MJ, hey, Ahmad Rashad, mm-hmm. and all these guys. Like let's let's just hook everybody up who's who's who are golfers that are in kind of the friends and family. Yeah. So we would do that, and so literally, it was like just sometimes cobbling up new bottoms with new uppers. It was just kind of crazy stuff. And then um, when I left uh, sportswear um, and and decided I just love golf, so I was like, you know what, I want to see if I can change the game of golf. Mm-hmm. And so literally, you know, we started, you know, just talking to consumers again, and they loved the icons of both Nike and Jordan. And so it's like, okay. You know, it's typically a very traditional game, and guys want, you know, their saddle shoes and all that, but not everybody has to be a saddle shoe type guy. Mm-hmm. So it was about how do we, like, bring in some technology to address the, the, the needs of the game and some crazy stuff that has potential to come out that I, I left before we really started talking about it. But anyway, um, so it was really easy because Michael loves the game, and so... Michael had a ton of confidence in me and being able to kind of, because I was in the brand for 23 yeah. years. Um, so he was like, take over. Let's just, while you're in Nike Golf, let's do all the Jordan stuff. Mm. And so then when I came back to Jordan, it was about, you know, staying in, uh, connected to the Jordan golf piece. And just, you know, I, I love it. Like, when, when have you heard a golf shoe ever get, you know, the respect or yeah. the love that you see today? Um, it's just like the sneaker culture. So I, I love the fact that we were able to kind of And there was, it there was like people, I remember like the Eastside golf shoe and all the hype around it. There was people trying to figure out like, can I wear this like without like the spikes on the bottom, yeah, like yeah, through the streets? Yeah. And the answer is no. But. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I saw the Eastside guys rocking it. And I was like, did you take the spikes off? Yeah. But there's a plate underneath there. So you got to be careful with that one. But, but there are some models that we're actually doing where you can, you know, you can wear them straight from the course to dinner and all that stuff but that particular one no were there a lot of samples that, that never came out that eventually did hit the resale market when you see stuff like that does that taint your vision of it at all you know you talked about kind of the undefeated thing before and i feel like that was another one of those moments where this was a, a really like big shoe in terms of if you got this and you could resell the shoe at the time it was thousands of dollars it's way more money now did that change your perspective on things knowing how much people were going after these just to resell them yeah you know um you know, it's a tough one for me because, you know, I understand the reseller market, you know, and mm-hmm. understand like, you know, those kids like getting their hustle on, you mm-hmm. know, and, and trying to make things happen. So I get it. But I've always loved those folks that just uh, the integrity of kind of collecting and, you know, keeping it for for, for yourself or wearing them, mm-hmm. you know, and respecting them. But I get it. You know, it, it is what it is, you know, so. You, you see a lot of shoes hit auction nowadays, you know, from famous people that are, are going for a lot of money. I'm sure you have a lot of stuff in your collection that could foreseeably sell for a lot of money. 
to seeing, you know, like a sample Air Yeezy sell for a million dollars, does that ever tempt you to be like, hey, did you make some money off this? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, it's so funny, like, and this will probably, it's probably too much information, but like, I was married and got divorced, and in my divorce, they were uh, asking for, like, they like your shoe collection, like they wanted something of equal value. Not only did I flip them off, but <laughs> but there's certain shoes that that are like my my work. It's yeah. like, mm -hmm. and so blood, sweat, and tears went into that, you know. And so not only would I give it to her, <laughs> that wasn't gonna happen. But <laughs> those types of things, like I just don't see myself selling because there's there's it has so much meaning behind like. What, I mean, I have so many stories about so many different shoes, like mm -hmm. why they exist, how come they didn't come. Like, and so like that just means too much for me. And to know, and then, and then to be quite honest, some of them, there's, if they got out there, they, people would know they came from me because mm -hmm. there's one no one yeah. Yeah. that would have some of the things that I have. Speaking more toward the end of your career, you know, I think as we're close to wrapping up here in your retirement, did they make a special shoe for you as you exited the brand? You know, they, I think they've got some things coming because COVID, everything was kind of crazy. Yeah. So the exit was kind of weird. But so when I left the first time and they thought I wasn't coming back, I did the MJ thing. Um, I had some. That was in, in 2015 when there were reports yep. about you leaving the brand. Yeah. Yeah. So I had some pretty cool shoes that I think they've seen on the Internet. Uh, I had some fours that were done in a, mm -hmm. in a tan and white and yep. red colorway. Um, there's there's a few of them. And I think they're working on some things. But uh yeah, so, I mean, but to be honest with you, I have to be so discerning. I have so many shoes. For like, retail? For, like, like shoes that they're making for retail or just shoes that no, they're No, shoes that they'll just make, well. Personal. Yeah, just for me personally. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I like I said, I have so much. It's like, uh, I'm like, yeah, see, don't kill yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> even, even, you know, even though you retired, how much are you still in tune with it? Yeah, have you, you know, have you been able to like step away, or are you still just working in the industry so so long? Are you still like rabid about it? Yeah, no, I, I think it'll part of it'll be part of me forever, just because it's like what I've done. But I think the great thing is, is as profound as my career was in Chapter One and kind of having a hand in um, the retro game and, mm -hmm. and coming back with great projects and having stories to tell, I actually believe like. Chapter two is going to be even more profound, and mm -hmm. because um, I've the things that I've experienced over you know the, the length of my career, I now have those experiences to share with people, and yeah. so a lot of the things that I'm looking to do, like I'm just as busy now as I was when I had a job mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, with, with with the brand, um, and it's really about like I said earlier, how do I give back? Like I. I love kind of the nature of creativity and sharing that with all these young, uh, this young talent that wants, that has aspirations of starting their own brands. I've got some things that I'm going to be doing to help share that with them so that they can get off to a great start. Um, I'm doing some things with various entertainers. Um, that's going to be fun. I started a foundation where um, I built basketball courts for underprivileged kids all over the world. And I bring them in and allow them to help build the court so that when we leave, they feel like it's theirs and hopefully they learn a craft and complement that with like storytelling with uh, themes that we build for the, for the court. And then we have a huge festival. We bring 
entertainers in with local talent and just donate those things back to the to the kids. Um, I've got I, I, I've got some ideas. I think where I was fortunate is is learning from a lot of people early on in my career that the best way to do things is to solve problems, like mm. identify problems and try to solve them in new ways. And so, I've actually got a, a partner of mine. We built the studio in Las Vegas where we're going to actually. Um, look at new ways of launching products. Mm, awesome. You know, we know the kids are getting killed by the bots out right. there. So we've got You're a building brand. a new sneakers app? It's it's well, that's Nike's thing. Okay. So, so okay. My, my, <laughs> my thing is is an opportunity to allow people who just love sneakers to get them. Mm. And so that's coming pretty soon. So I've got a lot of fun things that I think are keeping me connected to the game or to the sneaker game. Um, along with just, like I said, the most important thing is like, how do we pay it back to folks? Amazing. Gentry, such an honor yes. chopping it up with you. So ceremonious that it's our 100th episode and it's in front of a live crowd. We can't thank you enough. Uh, so much history and thank you so much for taking the time for thank us uh, this weekend. All good. You guys do a great job. I mean, there's not too many people that, you know, kind of... Uh, preach the gospel of the sneaker game really well. You guys do a great job. I appreciate you having me here. Uh, it's been great. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you Gentry. Guys, Thank you, everybody. For Thank you, everyone. Our producer is Dave Matthews. Our associate producer is Jasmine Plata. Sound engineering done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Jen Stewart and Shiva Bayet. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network.